when I looked at that cross, I realized I need the mercy of God. You show mercy to others in direct proportion to how much mercy you've received from the Father himself. It's that simple. Learning how to reflect God's mercy. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. If you've been following along on our broadcast, you know that we're in a study of the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. If you've missed any of these teachings, they're available on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. But now, here's David continuing his series called Difficult People. Through the cross, He took the penalty of your sin upon himself. He paid the price for your need for justice, and therefore you don't go to hell. Mercy's given to you. Indeed, you go to heaven and get all the spiritual benefits grace has given to you. When you show that kind of mercy to others, those difficult people in your life, when you don't give them what they deserve, even though they are irascible nails on the chalkboard of your life, You choose to show them mercy. And when you do that, you're never more like God. And then Jesus goes on to say that God even shows mercy to two kinds of people. First of all, the ungrateful. Let's let's pause for a second there. God shows mercy to the ungrateful. That means people who live these lives on this side of eternity and receive so many blessings from God. The air that they breathe, the food they ingest, even the gift of sex is something God gave. The relationships we have, the spouses we enjoy, the friendships we have, all are gifts from God. And yet, there are so many people in this world who've never paused one moment to give thanks to God for all they have from him. They live in complete, utter rebellion against him. That's why, interestingly, this table for many people throughout the world in the original language is called the Eucharist. Do you know what the word Eucharist means? Thanksgiving. We're so thankful for what God has done for us in Jesus, in the forgiveness of our sins, but also every good gift he has given us. Now, now can you imagine a boy born into a single-parent home, and the mom loves this kid so much, she works two jobs to put food on the table, to give him clothes on his back. She toils tirelessly to send him through school, She works so hard to make sure he graduates from college and then helps him even become one of Wall Street's great lawyers. Now, can you imagine that this boy is now at the pinnacle of success, his mom sacrificing all she sacrificed for him, yet not once, not one time does he ever pick up the phone and call his mom to say simply, Mom, thank you for all you've done. Jesus said, God even shows mercy upon those who never call and say thank you. That they enjoy the benefits of his created order and yet they they, they never say thank you. And secondly, Jesus said, God shows mercy not only to the ungrateful but to the evil. I mean, think about this. The most wicked reprobate, godless rebel in the universe. 
the person who doesn't want anything to do with the most high, the person who disobeys all of God's laws, all that God wants people to live by, this person who often even hurts countless numbers of people, uh, think in terms of the worst dictator the world has ever known. Think of Stalin or, or Pol Pot or Hitler. Think of the most evil person who's ever lived, yet they too receive the mercy of God. <laughs> they too enjoy the benefits of the Most High. The, the difference is, even though they receive it, they never give it. But yet God still gives mercy to them. So for those of us, especially who call ourselves followers of Jesus, and especially in dealing with difficult people, we've received his mercy on the cross and we give that mercy away to other people. It's so important. So let me ask this question. If mercy is so important in understanding the Christian life, if when we do so, we're never more like the Father in heaven, we never bear a better family resemblance than when we're being merciful to other people, how can we increase mercy in our lives? Anybody want to know? There's one person on the front row who wants to know. Any of the rest of you want to know how to increase mercy in your life? If that's what is the identifiable family feature that makes you most like God, giving mercy, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, Jesus said. You want to know what that is? Here are three ways you can increase mercy in your life. First of all, receive God's mercy. Receive God's mercy. Last week we talked about how we're all supposed to be doing logging expeditions. <laughs> in other words, before you take the speck out of somebody else's eye, do a logging expedition and look at the sin in your own life. And when you really compare, your sin's a whole lot greater than the people you're trying to take the speck out. I want to ask you to do a logging expedition this morning. I want to ask you to get in touch with just how great your rebellion against God has been. I can't speak for you. All I can tell you is I am the grossest sinner imaginable. I have done things and thought things that are reprehensible in the sight of the Most High. And when I looked at that cross, I realized I need the mercy of God. You show mercy to others in direct proportion to how much mercy you've received from the Father himself. It's that simple. If you think you've only gotten a little bit of mercy from God, you'll give only a little bit of mercy away. In a parable in Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story of a judge who had a guy that owed him 15 lifetimes worth of debt. And the guy knew he couldn't pay it off. And he went to the judge and begged for what? What did he beg for? Begged for mercy. He said, don't give me what I deserve. I deserve to be thrown into jail forever. And the judge, because he was merciful, gave him mercy. Okay? Then the guy walks out and sees somebody who owes him 10 bucks. And he says, pay up. And the guy says, I just don't have it. And the guy who'd just been forgiven 15 lifetimes worth of debt had the guy who owed him 10 bucks thrown into prison. And Jesus said, the judge came to that person and said, how do you get away with me forgiving 15 lifetimes worth of debt and you can't forgive a guy 10 bucks? And the judge then had this guy thrown into prison because he was in his bitterness and not filled with mercy. The question for all of you and myself as well is, do you really believe you owe God 15 lifetimes of debt because of your sin? 
If you don't, you don't give much mercy away. But if you do, and you know you've received 15 lifetimes worth of mercy from the Father in heaven, you deserve hell, but he intervened on your behalf. If you really believe that, you'll extend mercy to other people. So receive God's mercy. Secondly, remain in God's mercy. Remain in God's mercy. So you have taken the log out of your eye. You've realized the extraordinary mercy of God. And so many of you think, okay, been there, done that. I don't ever have to go back and fill my heart with God's mercy ever again. Wrong, eh, no. Because so many of us, what we do is like when we go into the backyard and uproot weeds in our gardens, we often just lop off the weed but never get to the root. And if you just do that, what's gonna happen with the weed? It's going to grow back. And for many of us with our logs, we just lop it off right before it gets to the surface, but the roots are still there and we continue to remain in our bitterness, our anger, our resentment, and the log grows back. The truth is, dear friends, you've got to use confession daily. Daily. I speak from experience. The logs grow back. That's why you need time every day to sit down in quiet and for a few minutes cry out, have mercy on me, O God, the log's grown back. Take it out again. And I'd like to ask you do it from the roots upward. I wanna get rid of it forever. What many of us don't understand is there's an enemy out there. Do you know that? There's an enemy of your soul who hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to condemn you. He wants to paralyze you. He wants to make you ineffective. And you have failed to realize you need to use confession as combat. May I say that again? You need to use confession as combat. You ask me often, what are my spiritual weapons I can use to defeat the enemy? One of them is confession. The log's grown back. I confess that to you, O Lord. During the World War II, there was a Polish underground person who was captured by the name of Stipolkowski. And what the Germans would do is whenever they captured someone in the underground, they'd put them in the center of a room with a light shining in their eyes and they would find out bunches of stuff in their background and keep telling them how awful they were. They would bring up stuff that even the person may have forgotten. Here are all the ways you've disappointed your family, all the ways you've disappointed God. And it heaped guilt upon guilt upon guilt Stipolkowski never broke down, though the others did. You know why? He was a committed follower of Jesus. And whenever they would say to him, here's what you did in your past, he would say, yes, and I distinctly remember confessing that under the blood of Jesus. Then the voice would say, well, you did this way back when. He'd say, yes, and under the blood of Jesus, I've been forgiven. And another one would be brought up, and he'd say, yes, but under the blood of Jesus, I've received mercy. And the Germans never broke him down. The enemy's broken a lot of you down by bringing up all this stuff and you're living more in your past than in the powerful presence of the merciful God of the universe through Jesus Christ. So remain in the mercy of God. Continue to do soul detoxes in your life. Get quiet, alone with God and cry out, have mercy on me and daily get in touch with God's mercy for your soul. 
And third, go be merciful to others. You've received God's mercy, you remain in God's mercy, go be merciful to other people. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus, God in human flesh, the second person of the Godhead enshrouded in human flesh, came to this earth. One of his close friends, Judas, betrayed him. All of his other disciples ran away in his greatest time of need except one, John. Peter, one of his very, very closest friends, denied he knew him three times. A mock Jewish trial, the people who should have been closest to Jesus, trumped up charges to nail him to a cross. Pilate, the Roman governor, didn't want anything to do with him because he wanted success, washed his hands and said, you're guilty. On the cross, the very Roman soldiers who nailed him there were gambling for his clothes. And yet, even then, Jesus looked at all the people who had hurt him, who were difficult people in his life, and in Luke 23, 34, he said, Father, what guys? Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. In many ways, that difficult person in your life really doesn't know what they're doing. They're just stupid. Under the bondages of the evil one, living in sin. And yet Jesus looked out in all the difficult people in his life and he said, Father, forgive them. He showed mercy to them all. But also, folks, realize this. In Romans 12, 18, this is a powerful verse from Paul. He said, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love that so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with other people. Because there are times, aren't there, when that difficult person is just too difficult. There are times you can't change that person no matter how hard you try. There are times when you're so merciful to that person, they're never gonna respond in return like you want. So what do you do? As far as it depends on you, as much as you can do, you extend mercy, but there does come a point where you draw boundaries around yourself, step back and say, in Popeye language, that's all I can stands, I can't stands no more. I can't do anything more to help you. I've done everything I possibly can. And it's okay at that point to draw parameters around your life and say, I've given all the mercy I can. I've gotta move on with my life. I'm not gonna let this difficult person control me. And then Jesus says, if you'll give out this kind of mercy, you're going to have not just a reward, you're going to have a great reward. Now, now, what does that mean? Well, it could mean either here and or heaven. Here, it could mean that that difficult person, because of your mercy, comes to faith in Jesus. Isn't that great news? Because you've extended mercy, they understand the mercy of Jesus. It could be it de-escalates the conflict between you. It takes the stinger out of the conflict between you. It could be that person even becomes your friend. Can you imagine that? Because of the mercy you've extended. It could be it draws more friends into your life because people are attracted to merciful people. It could be that mercy is then given to you when you need it. Matthew 5, 7, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. When you give mercy to others, on that day when you step on somebody's toes, they'll give you mercy. Or it could be it opens up the door to supernatural rewards. I don't totally understand this. I know three places where I see God opening up supernatural rewards in my life. First of all, it's with the tithe, the 10% that is owned by God to begin with. I give it to him. He said he'll open up the windows of heaven. So many times he has. Secondly, with the Sabbath. Take one day off a week. Rest one day off a week. Don't work yourself to death. If you burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. 
take one day off to rest. And when you do, God will take that day where you're resting and supernaturally provide for you. And then thirdly, I think when we're merciful to other people, especially when they don't deserve it, we give them mercy, I think somehow it allows God to work powerfully with a great reward. But then also in heaven, people may be brought to faith in Jesus and they'll greet us in heaven when we get there because we were merciful. It could be we're given more responsibility in heaven. We're gonna work in heaven. I don't know if you know that or not, we're gonna work in heaven. It could be we're given more responsibility because we've learned the importance of mercy. We're sending it ahead. You know, you can't take it with you, you can send it ahead. You can send mercy ahead. And I want all of you to continue to develop an eternal perspective, an eternal perspective, because folks, you're gonna spend a whole lot more time there than here. My dad died when he was 91, lived a rich life. He died at 91. He died at 91. We're all gonna die. We're gonna spend a whole lot more time there than here, right? Come on, talk back at me. We're gonna spend a whole lot more time there than here, aren't we? So when you give mercy to people, you're preparing a great reward in heaven, probably in ways we don't even understand. So do so. Jesus said, be merciful as your Father in heaven has been merciful to you. And when you do so, the difficulty of the difficult people in your life becomes less and less and less. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a conversation about this morning's e-devotion. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomas Burrow and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there, and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals will shift to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope, and we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. 
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Jen. It's wonderful to share this time with you as well. Well, David, you called this morning's Davidism the hotter the pot, the looser the goose. What <laughs> in the world do you mean by that? Well, let me explain it. It's a phrase my wife and I say all the time to one another, but we learned it some years ago with some missionary friends of ours who planted churches all throughout Ethiopia. And it was during the communist regime when they were doing this, and there were strict regulations upon all faiths, especially Christianity. So they had to do a lot of this behind the scenes, and they knew that at any moment they could hear a knock on their door, and it could be the authorities coming to arrest them Mm -hmm. and throw them into prison. So Marilyn and I asked them when we visited with them a month after that communist regime was jettisoned and a new government had been brought in. But we were there asking them, how in the world did you withstand those years of persecution, threats, and possible imprisonment? And they said, oh, we just learned the hotter the pot, the looser the goose. (laughs) And, And what they meant by that was they learned when it got really intense and they became a bit fearful, they needed to learn how to laugh in the face of danger. That when the enemy attacked them and assaulted them, not only the spiritual enemy, Satan, but also the physical enemies of that government, they just learned to laugh in the face of that pressure. Mm. They would tell jokes to one another. Uh, They would sometimes watch very funny television programs, never raunchy ones, but just good, (laughs) solid humor. And and that would allow them to just continue to laugh in the face of danger. And I can't explain it, Jen, but we adopted that, Marilyn and I did in our own lives, that when we faced all kinds of different problems, we would learn how to laugh Mm. in the face of danger. We would tell jokes. We would watch television shows that would make us laugh or whatever, comedy routines, whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's just something powerful about laughter that takes the sting out of the power of the enemy to discourage our souls. Well, this kind of reveals a mystery of God in the scripture that says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Exactly. It's that idea whatsoever. It's Paul in Romans 5, 3 saying, in tribulations, rejoice in them that there's some power in rejoicing over our problems that helps set us free. Well, I wish I would have had this truth last year when COVID hit, (laughs) you know, the lockdowns and crazy things were happening at my kids' school with um, just just different things. And I needed to laugh at that time. But this reminds me of a a pastor that I heard one time that said, if it's going to be funny later... It might as well be funny now. So Uh, let's just laugh in the middle of this tense moment. Mm, I think that's a great word. And there's something in laughter within itself that relieves tension, but also inside releases endorphins that allow you just to feel better. All kinds of studies have been done to prove that, that laughter is a salve to the soul. So we just need to learn how to encourage it and also absorb it so that when the tough times come, we can laugh in the face of them and be set free. That's the meaning of the hot the pot, the looser the goose. If missionaries under extreme persecution in a foreign land can learn that, so can we in Mm -hmm. our nation, which is still free to enjoy life. So good. So fun. Thank you so much for these insights today. You're welcome, Jen. And thank you listeners for joining us today. If you would like to receive these written daily Davidisms, these moments of hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning free of charge at around 7 a.m. from my heart to yours to help you begin each day with a moment of hope. 
This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for the leaders of our state.